If you have your Bibles, you know what to do. Throw them up. Uh, If you are a first time visitor, you have no idea what we're doing. We like to make declarations before we get into God's word. And so we just ask you, if you have your Bible, to put it up in the air. If you have if you have it on your phone, put your phone up in the air. If you have a tablet, put your tablet up in the air. If you have a laptop. Wow. um, (laughs) What are you doing? But uh, go ahead and put it up in the air. If you have nothing, just put your hand in the air. OK, I promise you, I'm not going to make you declare anything crazy. This is not a timeshare oath. It's not locking you into being residents of our community. Just we're just going to make some declarations. OK, if you have on real good deodorant, real high. OK, if it somehow waned on you halfway. OK, just repeat after me real loud today. today. Louder today. today. The, Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit is going to speak to me. About questions. about questions. After today, today I, will know I will know and fully understand, and fully understand that, questions are okay. that questions are okay. That when people ask me questions, ask me questions it's, okay it's okay for me to answer them. Answer. It's, also okay it's also okay if I don't have the answer, have the answer. to still, to still give, an answer, give an answer, which would be, which would be I don't know. But after today, today, I will know how how to answer questions questions as a minister minister of tourism. tourism. All right, let's go. All right. Uh, If you're taking notes on this message and you should be taking notes, why? Because nerds rule the world. You should be taking notes on this message. And if you're taking notes on this message, the title of this message is who has questions? It's the title of this message. Who has questions? At the end of any good tour, uh, at the end of any good lecture, uh, uh, if the tour guide or the presenter is uh, aware of the audience they're speaking to, they will open up time for Q&A. And they'll say, who has questions? I want you to understand that it's okay uh, for questions to be asked of our faith. uh, And I want to prove that through Jesus's narrative, starting In Matthew chapter number 19, at the 16th verse, it says this. Someone came to Jesus with this question. Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Why ask me about what is good? Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. But to answer your question, if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. Which ones? The man asked. And Jesus replied, you must not murder. Okay, check. You must not commit adultery. Check. Uh, You must not steal. Check. You must not testify falsely. Check. Honor your father and mother. Check. Love your neighbor as yourself. Check. I've obeyed all these commandments. The young man replied. What else must I do? Jesus told him. Oh, oh, I didn't know you were. I didn't know you wanted that kind of answer. If you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come. Follow me. But when the young man heard this, he went away sad for he had many possessions. Then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth. It is very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. I'll say it again. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved? They asked. Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it's impossible. But with God, 
everything is possible. Then Peter said to him, we've given up everything to follow you. What will we get? (laughs) Peter was like, dude, I'm still here. So what's popping? Jesus replied, "Uh, I assure you that when the world is made new and the son of man sits upon his glorious throne, you have you who have been my followers will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel and everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or property for my sake will receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit eternal life. But many who are the greatest now will be least important then. And those who seem least important now will be the greatest then. So who has questions? This is a great uh, uh, interaction between Jesus and one of many people who would ask him questions. Here's what I love about Jesus. He takes the time to answer questions. What's amazing to me is that the God of the universe would come down to dwell among us, put on flesh, be able to identify us with in human form, and as Amazing as his life is, he took time to answer questions. What's amazing is we need to be a little bit more like Jesus. Because we live in a day and age in a society that the more powerful you are, the more distance you are from people being able to ask you questions. You don't get to ask me questions. Refer to the website. In the church context, hey, don't, don't bother the senior pastor. He's, he's important. Uh, he doesn't have time for questions. You can have the number to his admin. You can, you, you can ask another pastor on staff some questions. Uh, uh, oh, what question are you asking? Oh, he did a great series on that last year. Refer to the podcast. Refer to the YouTube channel. Or, or you can refer to our doctrinal statement that you can find online if you scroll all the way to the bottom. It's buried beneath some other stuff. But Jesus is like, I'm not offended by questions. It's okay for you to ask me questions. I love this about Jesus because this makes Jesus a really regular guy. So regular that that he did some amazing and profound things in like regular moments. I'm not talking about opening up blind eyes. I'm not talking about uh, popping open deaf ears. I'm not even talking about raising the dead. Those were amazing and profound. But he did like regular stuff like go to a wedding. It's pretty cool that Jesus would just show up to your wedding and then turn all the water into wine. Thank you. (laughs) It's pretty cool that he would just be walking into a town and and, and see a, a man in a tree and invite himself over to that guy's house. Hey, Zacchaeus, come down having dinner at your house. That's just gangster. You just invite yourself over to a stranger's house. I'm going to have dinner with you. So whatever you cook, I'm about to eat. This is this is how regular he is. And so there is a man uh, who has been going through his religious checklist and he's going, I think I qualify to be one of Jesus's disciples. I think I have what it takes to roll with this guy. I, I, I've taken a look at the other people that that kind of comprise his discipleship uh, 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 pool. And I'm going, I can be one of those guys. And, and I think I've, I've hit this checklist. So I'm going to go ask him. And so th- this very wealthy, rich young man walks up to Jesus and he goes, hey, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? 
And Jesus is, is not bothered by the question. He just answers it. He goes, hey, if you want to do that, then, then you need to do a few things. You need to honor your mother and father. You need to make sure that you don't commit adultery. You need to make sure that you're treating your neighbor and loving your neighbor as yourself. And he's going through the checklist and going, I already do all of that. What else do I need to do? And he was like, ha ha, yeah. So you want to know what else you need to do? He's like, yes, I would like to know what else do I need to do? He was like, well, uh, I need you to sell everything that you have, all of your possessions, give them to the poor and then come back and then you can follow me. And this is how the interaction goes. Remember, the rich young ruler is the one that came up to him to ask him the question. But he's not even polite enough to end the conversation. Scripture says he just does this. He gets really sad and he just walks off. Now, here's what's absolutely profound to me. Jesus lets him walk. There would be very few American pastors that would let a rich man who wants to be a part of their community walk away. The moment he started walking away, they were like, hey, hold on, brother. Hold on, hold on. Hey, hey, really quickly. Um, you know, real quick, you know, hey, I, I, I uh, uh, listen, you don't have to do it all at once. OK, <laughs> let's just start, you know, start with maybe like a liberal offering just as the Lord don't even tithe yet. You know, we'll get there. You know, we have a little, you know, I'll sh- I'll let you get a book later and we can kind of ease into it. Right. Because it seems to me that that in American culture and in American churches, there's this desperate need to get people. At all cost. Get them in the door and then keep them. Make it so comfortable that they won't want to leave. That's just antithetical to being a disciple of Jesus. Quite the opposite. He makes you ridiculously uncomfortable. But questions never bothered him. And if we're going to be good ministers of tourism, questions need not bother us either. So I have eight points to this message. (laughs) So it happens when you give me a week off. (laughs) I have eight points to this message. And um, um, uh, uh, that's almost three times as many points as you usually get from me. And, 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 you know, I was talking to a friend this week and they were like, maybe you can like break it up and do four points this week and four points next week. And I was like, no, they about to get this work. Y'all about to take down all these notes. So are y'all ready? I got it. Can y'all handle eight points today? All right. Now, just pray I get them all done before our one o'clock service. OK, I don't need them walking in when we're still trying to walk out. Right. But I'm going to try to get them all in. Uh, point number one, please write this down. Uh, you can't be a tour guide and not answer questions. This is just the foundation of where I want to start. You cannot be a tour guide for the kingdom of heaven and not answer questions. It's just absolutely rude. If you're a good tour guide, you're going to raise questions. If you really talk about your faith correctly, it's going to raise some questions. But you shouldn't be intimidated of any of the questions that are being raised because they're just questions. Okay. Point number two, please write this down. Don't be afraid of questions. There's a lot of us that when it comes to our faith, we're afraid of someone asking us a question because we're really, really afraid that we won't have their answer. How do I say this to you in a way that you'll get it? 
Well, I don't have to say it to you in a way that you'll get it. The answer is the answer. Now, let me tell you why this is. I know this to be true, because I was a horrible math student. They couldn't say it in a way to make me get it. To this day, I don't understand geometry. My 10 year old and my eight year old are doing geometry. They're like, Dad, we're doing geometry. Mommy's teaching us this. And I'm like, oh, that's amazing. Don't ever ask me for help. (laughs) Or y'all will fail this grade and y'all are homeschooled and you will still fail. (laughs) No, nothing about geometry. But but the question uh, uh, can 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 be raised to the point that we can give an answer. And and it, it is our answer as believers. This is our answer. And Jesus is not afraid of questions, whether they're genuine or disingenuine. In Matthew chapter number 22, starting at the 15th verse, someone came with a disingenuous question. Here it is. Then the Pharisees met together to plot how to trap Jesus into saying something for which he could be arrested. They sent some of their disciples, along with their supporters of Herod, to meet with him. Teacher, they said, we know how honest you are. Uh, You teach the way of God truthfully. You are impartial and you don't play favorites. Now, tell us what you think about this. Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus knew their evil motives. You hypocrites. I just love that about Jesus. Just put them on blast real quick. Hypocrites. Why are you trying to trap me? Now, he could have been defensive and said, why are you trying to trap me? Not asking your question. Sick of y'all. Jesus does quite the opposite. He calls them out for who they are, hypocrites, then calls out their intentions. You're trying to trap me. And then he answers the question anyway. Here, show me the coin used for the tax. When they handed him a Roman coin, he asked, whose picture and title is stamped on it? Caesar's, they replied. Well, then, that's how I think he answered. That's how I think the tone was. I think he said it just like that, probably in Aramaic, but I think he said it just like that. Well, then give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. His reply amazed them. And then they went away. See, see, we think when somebody asks us a question and it's disingenuine that we should just blast them and start an argument and then they'll go away. No. Answer the question. Then they'll go away. He he amazed them because they couldn't trap him because he answered the question according to his context. Now, if you want to know, I love the fact that we're going into another political year, political cycle. Uh, There'll there'll be uh, 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 an election next year. And, and this was just how we planted the church. We planted the church in September 15, going into an election cycle. And what people found out is how conspicuously quiet we were about uh, political things. And, and, and to the point that people were like, well, wh- wh- which way do you lean? Which way are you going to vote? And, and we said nothing. People were like, what is going on here? Well, that passage of scripture freed me. Because the entire time of Jesus' earthly ministry, the only thing he ever had to say about Caesar was pay your taxes to him. Now, you got to understand that the Roman Empire at that time makes 2019 America look like the first drawing of Walt Disney. That's how bad 
that political environment was. That's how bad uh, uh, the lifestyles were. It was a it was a hot mess empire. Almost anything goes. It was very lasciviousness, bunch of debauchery, a lot of corruption, a lot of assassinations. Here's Jesus. Just pay your taxes. I'm not even worried about Caesar. Caesar temporarily has the government on his shoulders. I will have the government on my shoulders for eternity. So I really don't care who you vote for at the end of the day. It's all going to come back on my shoulders and I will be king of kings, Lord of lords, and my name will be lifted up above all the earth. And everybody in heaven and in earth will have to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. No matter what your bumper sticker says right now, at the end of all time, Jesus Christ will be Lord. So as we come up into 2020, when you start going, I wonder what he's going to say. Nothing. (laughs) Point number three, please write this down. We give genuine answers to genuine questions with genuine love. We give genuine answers to genuine questions with genuine love. Mark's account, sourced by Peter, uh, in chapter number 10, verse number 21, says this. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There is still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor. You will have treasure in heaven. Then come Follow me. He gives genuine answers to genuine questions with genuine love. He didn't make the statement to hurt this guy's feelings. He didn't make the statement uh, 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 to, 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 to dash his hopes uh, of wanting to be with him. He answered him with genuine love. He felt genuine love for the guy, but it didn't change what he required of See, when we're talking to people, there, there, there is almost this, 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 uh, the, this temptation that we, we, we've got to answer you in a way that, 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 that makes you feel good. And here's Jesus. Uh, I'm going to answer you with genuine love, but it doesn't change what I have to say. See, you can't really love somebody. This is just relationship one on one for everybody that's in a relationship, which is everybody in this room. Okay, Uh, uh, if you're in any any relationship, you can't really say you love anybody till you can risk offending them. Anytime I do uh, marriage counseling for people that have been married uh, for for about, you know, two years, they're they're like, you know what? We've never had an argument. (laughs) Everything is awesome. Everything is cool when you're part of a team. Everything is awesome when you're living in the dream. Everything's not awesome. And the reason why you haven't had an argument yet, because you still don't want to offend them yet. You know you hate the way they put the toilet paper on. You know that you hate the fact that they don't pick up behind themselves. But you don't want to risk offending them, and so you act like it's okay, which is actually disingenuine of you. It's a bait and switch. I'm okay with it. And then three years later, I can't stand you. I'm leaving. And you're like, what? You didn't pick up behind yourself. And you're like, you've never said anything for five years. I was supposed to. You should have known. Don't you catch the way I'm breathing every time you leave something? I can't read your mind. I cannot read your mind. I'm so sorry. 
Give me a cheat sheet because I don't know. How's I supposed to know that? Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus is like, listen, I have genuine love for you, but I have to tell you the truth. You have to give up everything. Like, I know you love your money, but you're going to have to give it up because that's the only way it's going to be. Seems like, oh, Jesus, you're being kind of rude. Don't you want to, come on, don't you want another disciple? Don't you want to turn the world upside down? Don't you need as many disciples as possible? (laughs) Not the way you think. I'm going to tell them the truth, and then they're going to have to receive it. Which brings us to point number four. Disagreement and anti are not the same. Disagreement and anti are not the same. To disagree with somebody means that you hold a differing perspective than they do. To be anti means that you are against or you oppose them. Here's what I know about Jesus. Jesus is not anti-people. But he does disagree with them. He commonly disagreed with the religious leaders. He commonly disagreed with people that walked up to him and wanted it one way and he gave it to him a different way. Disagreement is not anti. And we live in such a triggered society right now that anytime you disagree with somebody, you're automatically labeled anti. And it's like, no, I just disagree with you. I didn't say I was against you. I didn't say I was opposed to you. I just said I disagree with you. We have a person on our staff and she eats chitterlings. Okay. The instant moan that you heard in the room are is from people that are familiar with chitterlings. Some of you and I'm pronouncing it correctly. Okay. From California. Chitterlings. All right. Now let me move down south. Chitlins. Okay. They're called chitlins in the south. If you've never had a chitlin, be thankful to God. If you've never been in the proximity of a chitlin, be double thankful to God. Chitlins are the intestines of a pig. People eat them. That is disgusting. Listen, there is quite literally nothing good that can come from an intestine. And again, I say, beloved, there is literally nothing good that can come out of an intestine. God designed it that way. You can't put enough bleach on them. You can't put enough hot sauce on them. You walk in the room and go, wow, somebody, wow. Maybe I should come back because it seems like somebody might have, you know, wow. They're like, no, no, you're going to eat these later. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm going home now. I am vehemently in disagreement with her because, she's eat, because she eats chitlins. But I'm not anti her. I just don't like the fact that you put chitlins in your mouth. I just think it's nasty. I just think it's really nasty. It's disgusting. I don't want you to breathe on me after you eat chitlins. You can pray for me over the phone, but in person, I need 50 feet from you. Text me, but don't you ever eat chitlins and go, hi. I'm not, I won't be here for it. I'm just telling you right now, I'm out. Chunking you two fingers, okay? Disagreement's not anti. But we live in such a triggered society now 
that people can't disagree without it meaning you hate me. Must be a bigot. You're a racist. And you're like, oh my, no, I just don't agree with you. <laughs> Is it okay if we don't agree? Some of y'all don't agree that I have on white socks in the still winter. I don't care. I thought it makes the white in this t-shirt pop, so I wore it. I, get, I mean, disagreement is not anti. Jesus was never anti-people. But he disagreed with them all the time. Which brings me to point number five. Don't chase people who don't want to change. <laughs> mm-hmm. I just freed about 75 of y'all right there. Y'all like, I'm out. I'm good. <laughs> Don't chase people who don't want to change. Here's what it says in uh, Matthew 19, 22. But when the young man heard this, he went away sad, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth, it is very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. He let the guy walk. He didn't chase him. Here's what most people surmise from that. Oh, I know why. Jesus is anti-rich. He doesn't want you to be rich. He he wants you to take a vow of poverty because he doesn't want you to be rich. You see what he did to the rich young ruler? That must mean, you know what? You need to empty all your accounts. Don't don't have a nice car because, I mean, Jesus is anti-rich. Don't don't buy those jeans, even though they fit you perfectly. They're over $100. Can't you find something less at Ross, dress for less? It's going to have one button out of place, I mean, but it's going to be $17.24. Why don't you humble yourself and wear those jeans? Jesus is not anti-rich. As a matter of fact, he really didn't have a problem with this guy. But the guy didn't know he had a problem with himself. See, Jesus wasn't coming after this guy's money. He was coming after the heart of this guy. See, the rich young ruler thought he had money. Actually, he didn't. Money had him. It's like Jesus even knew this, and that's why when he started going through the list of commandments, it seems like he went through the list of commandments that the guy had aced. But there's another commandment that he didn't mention, and this is what the rich young ruler was struggling with. Scripture says, you should not have another God before me. This guy's net worth was his idol. This guy's net worth was where he found his identity. In anywhere you find your identity above your identity in Christ, that's where your idol is. <laughs> if any of you all have been through our engaged class, you've heard me say something like this. If you love your ethnicity more than you love your identity in Christ, then you have an idol. We've had people not join our church just off of that statement. And it's fine with me because I'm a believer in Jesus Christ and a disciple of Jesus. He purchased my salvation for me to come into one community with him, Jews and Gentiles. Put together to become this beautiful community. I I, I can't be a black Christian. The moment I identify as a black Christian then I've put my ethnicity above my identity. That's an idol. I'm going to let that marinate because it is Black History Month and I still said it. 
Some of y'all like, mm-mm, mm-mm. I'm being dead serious. Whatever you find in you, that if somebody were to ask you, you would go, I'm this before I'm that, then you have an idol right there. And Jesus is going to always target the thing you think is above that relationship with him. He will not share his number one spot with anybody else or any other perspective other than Point number six, please write this down. Don't change scripture to get people to stay. Ooh, this is good. Don't change scripture to get people to stay. Jesus wasn't about to change the Ten Commandments to let the rich guy in. But, but we live in a culture, and, and, and it's, the, it's the fault of where we were born into, right? We're, 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 we're born into America. America is a democracy, right? And so, and so we have this, this great constitution that, is, that has tried to govern us for, for a couple of hundred years, and, 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 and when we feel like it's reached an impasse or there's some antediluvian thinking, what do we do? We go back in and amend it a little bit. We got to tweak that. We got to change this. We got to change that. And, and some of those changes has been, has been absolutely amazing, and others have been kind of like, what? But let me tell you something about God's word. It doesn't change. It's not a constitution that can be amended. It's only a document that you can submit to because you're not dealing with an elected official. Who elected him? Who voted him in? When he was creating stars, who was around to elect them? When he put the border of where the waters could go and where they couldn't go, who was there to support him? When he was there forming you in your mother's womb, who was there to tell him, don't make them this way or that way? Who, who was there? It's not an elected official. This is the creator of the whole universe. And whatever he says goes. That's how a kingdom works. The, the reason why kingdom principles are, are, are so uh, hard to grasp in America is because we don't understand kingdom. America left the kingdom and then came here. They protested a kingdom. <laughs> I'm coming after everybody today. Just <laughs> I feel like I'm, play, I'm playing dance revolution. Whose toes can I? So, so when we go to scripture, the, the, the natural part of us is to go, oh, I protest that. I don't like that verse. If I stand real still, it won't apply to me. <laughs> it's not going to work. Okay. Uh, point number seven, please write this down. God transforms people's minds for the kingdom. Hear me. Jesus makes a statement to the disciples that, that completely boggles their mind. He literally looks at them and, 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 and says to them, hey, I, I know I just blew your mind. Because remember what they asked. <laughs> Based on what you just told that dude, who in the world can be saved? And he goes, humanly speaking, nobody really. It's impossible, humanly speaking. But with God, everything is possible. If you're a King James person, all things are possible. But why are they possible? 
They're only possible when we give him permission to transform our minds. Here's what it says in Romans chapter number 12, verse number two. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Can I just stop right there? We have a you don't you do know we live in a copycat society. We live in a trending society. Everyone's going that way. Everybody go this way. Oh, they started going this way. Everybody go this way. Oh, they're back in the middle. Oh, they're trying to fake us out. Oh, we gotta go. We're following trends. Advertisers are spending multiplied millions of dollars a year to try to get your money. They spending money to try to find out what you like to buy so they can get your money. And, 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 and there's, been a, there's been a cultural consumeristic creep that's coming to the church. And we're trying to do the same thing to get people here as advertisers do out there. When, when the kingdom is supposed to swim uh, uh, antithetical to the current. If you're a true disciple of Jesus Christ, you will always be going upstream, never downstream. Wherever the current of culture is going, we're going the opposite direction. And we look crazy. It's like, why don't you just turn around and get swept away? <laughs> and you're like, mm-mm. I'm going against the current of culture because I'm a part of a kingdom. So we're not going to turn the church of God into this consumeristic machine that we just keep feeding to keep you coming. Because you do know how you get them is how you got to keep them. So you're not going to get an iPad for bringing your 10th visitor to church. I'm sorry to disappoint you. That's never good. You're like, oh, God, no iPad. No, what? I thought. No, no, no. You're supposed to be an evangelist of Jesus Christ because you're a disciple of Jesus Christ. If 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 you're if the only reason why you're bringing people to church is because you hope to get a prize. Where are we at? Chuck E. Cheese. This is the kingdom. And it's antithetical to American culture. That's why. Listen, I believe every church is an embassy. He just wanted ours to be called such. But when you pull up on this parking lot, you're not walking into a building in Irving. You're walking into a building in heaven. That's what an embassy is. It is, a, it is a sovereign piece of territory on foreign soil. If you were in China right now and, and you lost your passport, all you would have to do is walk up to the U.S. embassy. They would recognize you by your accent. The moment you step across that gate, you would no longer be in China. You would be in America, even though you're still in China. Let me put it this way. You are in China, but you're no longer of China. I think there's something in scripture that goes along to the fact that we're in the world. We're just not of it. So I'm here with y'all, but I'm kind of not. That's why when I get ready to open my mouth, they go, what is wrong with who are you? Why are you so nice? This is crazy. Why? Because the kingdom is completely different in expression than it is to American culture. Okay. So don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let everybody say, but let say it again louder. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think you have to give God permission. God's not going to come hijack you for the kingdom. This is not how we're going to grow the church. By pulling up in a van. 
popping open the side doors, putting a hoodie over people, taking them into a dark, dank cell, brainwashing them for six months, and then going, got a new disciple. We took them through our membership class. <laughs> but like, it, 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 it kind of resembled torture tactics. No, 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 no. No, we have diplomatic immunity. No. We're literally telling people that you have an opportunity to be a part of something, but you have to give God permission to transform your mind. Listen, if I did a poll right now, there are people in this room that if you would just take a moment to think about the person you used to be, that person would never believe that the person you are now would be sitting in this seat today living the kind of life you're living for Jesus Christ. Anybody beside me? You couldn't have told the 19-year-old me I was going to be a pastor. I'd have laughed you. If you got in a DeLorean right now and went back to the future and, and caught the 19-year-old Tim, you, you couldn't have said, hey, you're going to be a, a pastor of a, 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 a great church one day. I'd be like, no, never. It's never going to happen. My mama sent you, didn't she? That's what I would have said. <laughs> Tell my mama. <laughs> it's not happening. I had, a, I had my own plan for my life. I was going to get saved when I was 40. I wanted to, like, turn up. Then I figured, when I hit 40, it's time to turn down. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I mean? I want to make it into the kingdom, but I just want to get my first 40. You know what I'm saying? Let me have a Moses experience. Let me go ahead... Get this first 40 to myself, and you can have me for my back end, right? The Holy Spirit got me at 20. And I had a whole bunch of mindsets that did not line up with the kingdom. He chose me anyway. You do know he'll take you right as you are. The way you are right now, he'll just go, just come on to the kingdom. Well, let me put this down for, no, no, just come in. Well, I got, I got some weed in my, just come in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of a faux bartender. I have a whole little cabinet at the house. That's fine. Just come on in. Because you won't stop medicating until you get me. You already tried it in your own strength. Again, it's humanly possible if you're going to try to do it on your own. But with God, all things are possible. You have to let him transform your mind. You just have to volunteer. Hey, God, here's my mind. It's been like this the whole time. It's the way I think right now. But I give you permission to transform it. I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't know if brain transplants are legal yet, but I'm probably need one of those. If you're going to change, you're going to change this mind. I, ooh, I double dog dare you <laughs> to pray that prayer. I give you permission to change my mind. He's not going to zap you. He's just going to start pushing at you. You're going to start being convicted of stuff that you were never convicted about before. And then that change is going to start happening because you gave him permission to come in. Before I give you the eighth point, I need to know that you were tracking with me. So here's a pop quiz. What was point number one? Come on, get on the same page. Say it again. You're amazing. Point number two? Don't be afraid 
Great. Point number three. Y'all are amazing. Point four. Great. Point five. I love y'all. Point six. Mm. Y'all gonna be some great preachers. Point seven. Great. Point eight. Write this down. Everyone who gives up gets more. Mm. I could literally spend an hour on this one point. Everyone who gives up gets more. Here's what Peter said. Then Peter said to them, said to him, we've given up everything to follow you. (laughs) What will we get? What's in it for me? Here's what Jesus says. And everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or property for my sake will receive a hundred times as much in return. Listen, and will inherit the will inherit eternal life. Here's what a lot of people uh, 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 mix this up to, to, to say, or, or this is how they communicate it. In the sweet by and by, you'll get your reward. You know, when you get to heaven, God will make it all. I know you're going through I know it hurts. It hurts, right? I know. But don't. You're not going to get it here. Just when you get on the other side, when we get to heaven, I mean, amen. You'll be with him for eternity. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, you're going to give up this stuff for me to follow me? Here's what I, here's what I can assure you. I assure you that, that you're, you're, you're going to get much more while you're still here. And you'll get eternal life. So you get to feel a lot of it on this side before you get to that side. That's a great incentive. Now, let me, let me tell you how that works, because uh, the, the way some people have uh, manipulated scripture, because, uh, uh, again, they put stuff that's not there because they want to keep people. You're about to get blessed. Your breakthrough's on the way. A million dollars is going to be transferred into your account. You're about to be promoted to the CEO of the company. No, you're not. You got an entry-level call center position. That is just a huge leap. Even with Jesus. Jesus is like, I can't even take you that. I can't, I can't even throw you up the corporate ladder that far, sir. You, you might need to go back to school. University of Phoenix. We'll get you online. Okay. He's not saying that. Let me tell you something. Health is the new wealth. I'm not, I'm not talking about, well, well, I have the activity of my limbs. No. Mental health. Emotional health. Could you imagine if God just blessed you not to be triggered? That you could literally flick channels, go past the news and go, hmm. And just turn the channel instead of. The reason why some of you all are so triggered is because CNN and MSNBC and Fox News are your mentors. That's who's discipling you. The Bible, the scripture should be discipling you and you won't be triggered. They'll be like, hmm, bad for them. Eat me some Pop-Tarts. <laughs> Listen, he wants to bless you now. He, he wants you to be mentally healthy, emotionally healthy, relationally healthy, spiritually healthy. So that whatever place you find yourself in, you're just content. 
If I have a million dollars, thank you, Lord. If I work at the call center, thank you, Lord. If I'm on the bus, thank you, Lord. If I have a car, thank you, Lord. If I'm married, thank you, Lord. If I'm single, thank you, Lord. I'm just thankful that whatever season I'm in, I can be content because I've made a decision for Jesus Christ. So who has questions? Doesn't matter what they are. The God of the universe is not intimidated to answer them for you. If you get that, you'll be an incredible minister of tourism.